And now, Hangar 56 Media presents Spike's Car Radio, a downloadable cars and coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Here we are. Here we are. Sunday Cars and Coffee. Malibu Kitchen Cars and Coffee. Give me a microphone, Test Sucker. Testies, testies, one, two, three. All right. We're into the show already. We've got a great show today. Uh, today. Uh, not only are we in Malibu looking at all the people roll in for cars and coffee, we've got uh, Matt Hranick, a man and his car. Did you know uh, that book is out, Zuckerman? A man in this car, and both you and I are in it. The best part is, if yes. you recall, I didn't actually participate in being <laughs> in it. You were in I it for you. me and you. Yeah, he said, do you know anybody else? I said, what's that Zuckerman's car in the hangar? You had the, is it the 66 the, 911. Yeah. I was storing it for you. And uh, Matt said, yeah, and let me call you up. And, and there you go. That is your car now. That's, you know, everybody kind of picked their favorite car. And is that your favorite car? Not it, really. You don't know. It's I close. love it. Okay. It, you know how Jerry says he has like 20 cars in his top three? Yes. That car is definitely in my top three, but there might be seven cars in my top three. You know, three. it's an interesting uh, moment about that car. You, uh, I had extra space in my hangar, right? And yeah. we were sharing cars in your hangar, which is closer to my house. Right. right. So I said, whatever you need to put in there that you're not using, and the 66 went in there. And then I got tired of looking at it and going, God, this is an amazing car. But Zuckerman's not driving, so I drove it and put together a punch list that you then executed, and now... It's fantastic. Right? The car is fantastic. It was just one of those things you had forgotten was even in your collection, and you had forgotten to sort properly. And now it is sorted. I will give Mr. Will Hoyt that credit. He gets a lot hey, of demerits. I some credit, too. Well, you get credit. I'd say you naturally <laughs> get credit. But you know what? You already wrecked my morning with this guy. <laughs> you know what he does to me? There's a lunatic over here with something that he likes to call art. This guy, Wally. And Wally comes up to you me. You already and he's know got, his name. That's yes, impressive. Wally Weiss. And Wally Weiss has a painting out of the trash that he put, like, a sticker on. <laughs> and then he's trying to sell it to us. And you put him on me, and he wouldn't leave me alone. Now, so it he already painted ruined. that. He, paint. he knows we own a Zagato. That's a Zagato Abarth. And he came all the way here to sell that to me. And I said, Zuckerman is the man for that painting. He took like an <laughs> old oil painting, a really bad old oil painting of Paris, and drew like a, ch- a child's blue Zagato Abarth on there. And then he stood behind me, and I was trying to have another conversation. I was done with him, and he was standing behind me, and I finally had to say, Wally, you're standing behind me. It's going to make me nuts, and you don't want to see that. you got to go. You know, you're very nervous here, Zuckerman. You get nervous around all these people, don't you? Okay, we have we have a pandemic here. Yeah, I know, but thousands. you're in an office with a bunch of people. The same. There goes people, Bruce Meyer. Not Look at that. All of these people, and I am I'm so surprised to see at eight o'clock in the morning there are hundreds of people pulling <laughs> in here. It's an oppressive. It's hard to take on a Sunday morning, which is usually quiet time. Well, yeah, we've turned it into a fun time. Let's talk about uh, Mack Weldon, our new sponsor. The new normal uniform has a lot of us searching our closets and drawers for men's essential that aren't necessarily there. Instead of the usual business casual ups and downs, it's soft knit polos, tees and joggers and active shorts. I bought the joggers. I already own the joggers. I already love this company. These guys are coming to us and I'm already a customer. Whatever men's basics you need, Mack Weldon has you covered in unmatched comfort and fit. They have the good stuff, you guys. Socks, shirts, hoodies, underwear, polos, and active shorts. They're versatile. That means when you throw on these joggers, here's how I use them, Zuckerman. I throw my sneakers on. I can hike. I can then also put the polo on and look like I'm, I'm actually in dressed for a meeting. Look at you. You're, you're in a button-down shirt right now. You're perfect for these guys. Um, they have a guarantee that if you're not comfortable or you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can keep them. And they'll still give you your money back, Zuckerman. Like you, with underwears. I'll send you my <laughs> underwears and you can keep them. Just like Mac Weldon, you can have my underwears. Everyone can have my underwears <laughs> and keep them. <laughs> it's either Mac Weldon or Zuckerman. <laughs> you can keep their underwear. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash Spike and enter promo code Spike. It's easy. Spike. Go to MacWeldon.com slash Spike, promo code Spike for 20% off. 
I'm doing that after this. Mac Weldon reinventing men's basics. And again, you know, people have been complaining. You know, I can't believe all the ads. Well, again, sorry. Success. A little bit of success. success. Going on. <laughs> we try to, I try to keep them out of the guest segment. Uh, Matt Haranik is going to be on because those, you know, you just don't want those interrupted on a Zoom, right? It just doesn't feel right. And they're more fun with you when we can just riff. And I tell the sponsors outright, look, it may not go the way you planned <laughs> because of the word Zuckerman. It may go in a bad direction. He may offer his underpants <laughs> instead of... Instead other- of you can have mine for free. Yes. You can get theirs for 20% off. Exactly. Mine are free. Now, did you notice what's right in front of us, Zuckerman? Amazing. The, the Amazing. new Bollinger B1 and the new Zero Labs, what looks like some sort of Bronco device with a surfboard on it. These guys... And we're not going to dig too, too deep into the Bollinger because Robert Bollinger next week is coming to your hangar, Zuckerman, with the B1, and we're going to drive that. What do you Good think of name. that? I like the name B1 like a bomber. It's the, and Bollinger like, like champagne. It's the Bollinger wine, B1. Right? The Bollinger. It's, a, it's a Bollinger B1. I'm coming in with bombs. <laughs> we're going to bomb you. It's going to be stealthy. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun. So I got in early to make sure these guys had a spot and you and I had a spot. And it's so funny to watch these two big trucks come in silently and then back up and then listen to the folks around here, the tourists, who have no idea what they're looking at. Most This, this dad came over with his kids. The, dad, the kids were like, what are you, Dad, come on. <clears throat> this is a Defender. Look, it's an electric Defender. <clears throat> Which not is a bad not. guess, but not a bad guess. It's not even close. I don't even know what I'll it is. I'll take it for a kid. From a kid, it's okay. No, it's from the dad. The know-it-all oh, dad, dad. The know-it-all know dad. All dad. Yeah. That's Wiggins right there. Wiggins yeah. is right there. One more whiskey before I dive, Harrison. Yes, please. <laughs> please. <clears throat> I wore my green pantalones today, <laughs> Peabody. I threw him up on Instagram because I, I think he swiggins out for us. Really? <laughs> yeah, it is. Everything's about us, Ferris. Zuckerman, I'm noticing you have a, bu- a button down shirt, which looks like a button down shirt from Tuesday. That's a sticker on it that says, I voted. Right. Because <laughs> but it's Sunday. Um, well, what, Ferris, what's be- going on? I'll tell you why. Because I was not planning on coming this way. I yeah. was staying at my other house in Baldwin Hills with my kid, and I just had what I was wearing a couple of things thrown <laughs> in a bag. And so it's a little chilly this morning, and I had nothing else. Else this to is, put this is a walk of shame for you? Wait, I, I guess so. You could <laughs> say so. Meanwhile, though. So wait, I want to know about the I voted sticker. You voted by mail, right? Yes, of course. So did I. But I was thinking about this. Usually when you vote, you go in, you hand it to the lady, she gives you the sticker, you put it on, you walk around with it for 10 minutes, and then you throw it at somebody. The envelope experience, you don't really have to put the sticker on that says I voted. Why did you do that? Okay. (laughs) There's a story here, of course. Is there? Yes, of course, because I voted last weekend, and then then Andrea took the sticker off and put it on me, and I said, no, I don't want the sticker today. You wrecked my sticker. (laughs) And so I want to wear the sticker. That was last Sunday. I want to wear the sticker to the office at some time during the yes, week. Yes. So then somehow she put, she somehow reattached the sticker to the backing <laughs> and, and put it in my bag. So it was in there. I had the sticker. It was unused. And I feel it's important to let the whole world know that I voted, Ferriston. Have you had more of that virus in your office? What's going on? No, no, no. I had, have not had virus in the office in ages. Okay. But someone I know that does some assisting, some little odd jobs for me at times, he got COVID-19. Oh, really? He got COVID-19 from his younger roommate. And his younger roommate gave it to him. He's 61 years old. And he was really, really sick for a week. He said it was way worse than the flu. Way worse. Way worse, huh? Way worse than the flu. He said the amount of his body ache was so severe. He was in so much pain from this. He was so fatigued, so exhausted, but he's finally rounded the corner. Well, the next question everyone asks is where did he get it? From his roommate. I told you that. Oh, you weren't roommate. listening. It's his hard roommate, to hear. There's lots RJ. of people babbling. I know, because she moved further and away. Now, R- now, now she's talking in our direction. Where did RJ get it? 
He's young, so he probably got it where all young people get it from, some filthy intercourse with other filthy people. Right. <laughs> the young folks. The young Don't you folks feel like doing people filthy have stopped things? kind of almost just wishing, just like they've stopped trying to take care of themselves? Of course. It's called pandemic fatigue. P.F. Not Poonfest, pandemic fatigue. And that's what everyone has right now? Not Poonfest, pandemic fatigue. Wow, yes. now look at this. Look at these guys. Oh, is it the Lamborghini guys? No, that's no, a McLaren. A McLaren. In golf colors. Yeah, and here's it's, the Lamborghini guy. golf colors. Oh, hello, Frank. And here comes Frank up the stairs. Look. Uncle Frank. Wow, that's a nice car. I know I make fun of the Lamborghini guys, but I also like them. But you can tell this is one of those crazy noise crews, right? It's a crazy noise crew, and his license plate says Azeri, like Azerbaijani or something. <laughs> there they go. Part of those ag aggressive go. Caucasus people. But <laughs> Did you see the guys with the Cadillacs over there? I have not. I came right in. I parked. you got to look right on this. the other side. There are three or four of the most beautiful, gigantic yellow and like sherbet orange Cadillacs. Okay, and they so set post up the guys set early post-war. Look, you can kind of see yeah. things that you would see rolling through Miami. Yeah, 55, a 55 uh, Cadillac. And the owners there, spaced out their cars, separated from each other. And then in, to stop other people from parking there, they put their chairs in there and have set a, opened up their cooler. That's a weenie thing to do. They open up their cooler. No, I, you wouldn't say that if you saw the film. I'll look at it, but when I hear about it. Here, let me show you a picture. There are some really great cars here. I see a 53 bent window pre a 50, uh, 356. And, oh, those guys are hilarious. How I like funny that is yellow that? one. That, that is a 55 Cadillac. I would call that. If I owned that car, it would be called Yellow Boy. Yeah. Do you ever think about owning something like that? I have thought about it, but then when I see how big it is, I say, nah, it's just too big. It's enormous. It's really loud here right now, Ferris, and there's a lot going on. Well, you don't have to worry. The mics are directional. <clears throat> it should be okay. But, yeah, this show has really turned into something, hasn't it? It, it, it It's... The police seem to have given up. They were here earlier this morning just to, I think, to get coffee. And now the show just happens. Would you, you estimate? For a I'm while, estimating right? 500 people here. You think? Yes. I don't know. There's Bill behind us who has not figured Hello, William. Who's not figured out how to monetize this yet. <laughs> you should breathing in. It should be mask. like Dodger Stadium, but with bagels. You should have a. You should have thing says, around your neck. He says he can't sell because the the board of health would shut him down. Fuck them! <laughs> oh, like the board of health's doing such a great job. Okay, so they're doing a great job. We've got a pandemic. You're wearing a mask. Yes, that's what I said, Ferriston. Did you think early, late night, or early start for those you know two ladies? Who that is? I do not know who okay. that is. We'll who just is forget it? it. I'll tell you later. Tell me right now, Ferriston. Anyway, Bill, do you see these people? They're all hungry. How? If you bought, if you had, don't you? Why don't you have all like a basket on your back, like a hamper, <laughs> like a, like an old like an old firewood picker upper? You put a wood basket on your back, but burritos are in there. Yeah, that would Bagels. be good. Nope, it's not going to happen. Well, Zuckerman, um, let's talk about Express VPN. Which of my online searches does the government have a right to know about? And what do you think? Does the government have access to that? <clears throat> no, they should have no access to anything, which is why we all use Express VPN. Protection. Hackers. You don't want them looking at your web history, and now they're allowed to, thanks to our government, you don't want them to see your video searches, especially Zuckerman. I can't imagine what's on his computer. That's why I gave him, I gifted him ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN encrypts, reroutes your web traffic to any number of countries, states, keeps you safer, more secure. All you have to do is download the app, click connect, and boom. I did this. I have this app, Zuckerman. And whenever I open up a browser, it automatically connects. And I am anonymous even in my house. Finally. No one will know. You look up raccoons playing with dogs. <laughs> you know Squirrels. what? Squirrels. No, the, the, the ads, the targeted ads have stopped. 
I don't get the really? Skechers ad when I'm talking about Skechers anymore. I don't get any of that. ExpressVPN is the fastest VPN I've tried. Costs less than $7 per month. It costs, uh, comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So all you need to do is go to expressvpn.com slash spike911. Expressvpn.com slash spike911. My name, my favorite car. Go to expressvpn.slash spike911. A little tired today. Little, little sleepy. But I'm I a do little use, sleepy. It's very I do early. like these VPNs. I do like the protection they afford. Um, because, you know, at some point, the government said it was okay for anybody uh, web browsing data. Like two years ago, they said, go ahead. Anybody can have it. You can sell it. Everybody knows everything. You know, I'm not opposed to the Second Amendment, Ferris, but I think people should really be thinking about the Fourth <clears throat> Amendment, which I'm is... I'm going to put that out there, to be to be free of unwarranted searches and seizures. Right. The government snooping on you, is to me, is a bigger deal than whether or not guns... You, you need a background check for a gun, but nobody thinks about the Fourth. They need to think about the Fourth Amendment, not just the <clears throat> Second Amendment. And you're <clears throat> seeing a lot of violations? Is that what you're saying? I am saying that we live in a society now where people do not care. that The government is watching everything. Yeah. Everything. And that's there what's a no more concern to you. Yes. There's <laughs> no privacy anymore. Yeah, I, I think the Constitution's about to burn. <laughs> The whole the whole Constitution's going down. I don't think it matters. I think someone just has to enforce it, and I think it'll all be fine. But the Second Amendment, it, it, I don't know. I don't even want to talk about that stuff. Okay. I just threw it out I here am a, Sunday. I'm a gun owner. I'm a happy gun owner. I don't ever feel like people are going to steal my gun. Do you play with it while you have ice cream? I don't. I don't, but it talks to me. What does it say to you? Use me. You. <laughs> Come play with me. Who do you Take go? me out. You're going to go see the neighbors? What's that? You're going to go see the neighbors with the gun? No, you know what I used to do? I used to, when I, I couldn't believe... I grew up in Massachusetts. That's very stringent rules about cars and everything. Pretty much anything. Like, you, you, you move your motorcycle down the sidewalk, you're getting arrested for some reason. So when I came out here, I bought an off-road, a 250 uh, Honda, and I took it off-roading, and I bought a gun, and I drove around the desert and shot things. <laughs> I did that for about a month. I would just drive the motorcycle, and then I would shoot at stuff, and I would go, this is the greatest state I've ever been in. Fantasy land. Fantasy Young land. land, fantasy land. And you come up on these rangers, and they go, you're having a good day? And I'm like, God damn, I am. This is great. And I'll shoot you now. <laughs> <laughs> How many did you shoot? <laughs> and I'll bury their body. No, you know that, uh, that guy that got chased by the mountain lion this week? No. You didn't see that video? No. He was walking, and there was a mountain lion. He was in Utah, and the, he got between the mountain lion mom and the two little mountain lion Bad cubs. idea. And this mountain lion mom chased him for six minutes. Going like this. I'll send you the oh, video. I saw You'll that. Love it was that. like flapping yeah, yeah. like a bird. I had a moment like that when I first moved out here where I was in the middle of Gorman and I saw what I thought was a little kitty cat or doggy and it turned out to be a bobcat. Now, as I'm about to pet it, Suckerman, <laughs> <laughs> it turned and went eh, like that. And I realized this isn't idea, a schnauzer. Ferrison. This is a bobcat. It's going to eat you. <laughs> it's going to eat me. But it made me love California and, and its wild it. nature. Try to stay focused, Suckerman. I'm okay. Uh, do you see how simulating it is here? There are I know, but you're like people. a shot. Do you have ADHD, do you think? Okay. I pro between all the coffee <clears throat> I had this morning uh, and and what's happening here <laughs> and trying to concentrate on you and people are flapping and waving and shaking. And Should I medicate you before we're out here? I mean... <laughs> back to sleep, you mean? <laughs> yes, I would, have, I would have liked to have gone back to sleep. I'm overstimulated here, Ferris. Well, the only reason we're recording here is Bill told me you were coming out. So I said, well, why don't we do our half of the show? What did you just put in your mouth? I put some Nexium for my heartburn. <laughs> you give me heartburn, Ferris, so I need Nexium. <clears throat> and then Bill said... Zuckerman is coming out, so let's bang out. Let's bang out twenty minutes of show. Well, here we are now. The audience will have to say whether they like this. I mean, there is a lot going on here. Oh, There's they a love lot of it. background noise. There's a lot of, and I will say it's a lot of distraction. I know it sounds loud to you, but when we record this, you won't hear all the background. It'll be fine. Really? Yeah, yeah. These are directional mics. They would have to be pointed in that direction. We could tell folks about some of the cars we're seeing and we've seen so far, because a lot of people don't get to come to this show, and a lot of people aren't having cars and coffee. So we could just sportcast some of these. Well, I'll tell For you For instance, you drove your probably your finest car here today. Finest. 
The 65 slate gray? Yep. 911. The Will Hoyt restoration. Boy, this is like a podcast is becoming an ad for Will Hoyt. I know. He's Love Mr. and hate. <laughs> Will Hoyt, like, he functions... Like attack ads and then love ads. <laughs> well, he's the greatest restorer, except everything's done at a glacial pace. It is so fucking but slow. But isn't that the way it should be? I don't know. I want my... My speech has been three and a half years. I know. Three and a half years. But don't... When it comes out, it's right. Maybe it takes that long. It, okay. Uh, it's It takes... Yes, it does take that long, unfortunately. To get Three it right. Three and a half years. I owned that car and drove that car for less time than Will Hoyt's had it. Will Hoyt's had my car longer than I had my car. Yep. How do you feel about, you know, the GT2 RS, which just came back to us? It appears to be sold. <laughs> I'm, I feel good about that because we still have another one. Here's some big news, Ferrison. Yeah. All right. What do you got? I saw my Gullwing. Yes. Congratulations. Yeah, that's really... I, I'm, it's bittersweet. That is a milestone car, and it was a milestone car for me. But you were in at the right place on that car. You were yeah. in low, and now you're, I'm guessing, going to be selling high. I am selling high. I'm making a considerable profit, but the car was such a work of art, such a thing of beauty. It meant so much to me. How it, long did you own that car? Close to ten years, and it was the. It was, That's interesting. It was one of my. It was. It was the biggest purchase I had made. Pro- then and now, it was a big piece to buy. Yeah, yeah. And it was really. It was. It was something I always, always wanted. And it was so that was it was a milestone car for me. That car is one of the most beautiful cars with one of the most beautiful presentations. It's funny that nine to ten year window, I've experienced this too. For the cars you love the most, it's somewhere between nine and twelve years of ownership. And then, <laughs> well, and then it's time. Like, you have a 300 SL that you're going to drive, which is a beautiful car, and I see you in that one all the time. The Gullwing is just one of those blue-chip investment cars, aren't they? But I think out of those two cars, and you've le- you let me drove the Gullwing, I don't, like the- I don't like the heat. It's a little too hot, so that means it's a winter driving experience. Right. It's a race car, and it's, a- it's one of the most beautiful creations that on four wheels that there is. But it's not necessarily the car you're going to drive. Right. And the Roadster... Right? And that became the reality it, it of it. Had, if somebody had come up and ponied up the money for the Roadster first, one of the two had to go yeah. at this point <clears throat> in time for various reasons. It has a lot to do with just the economy, partners in the car, um, that kind of thing. One of those two cars <clears throat> had to go. And and it turned out that the Gullwing was going to be sold. Now, for, for people that are listening, understand there were 1,400 Gullwings made. That's a lot of cars made for an iconic car. When you have a great car like mine, you're competing against the other five cars that are out there that are not great. It actually makes it a bit of a hard sell for people who are out there looking. People really have to look at these cars, have these cars examined, and understand who they're buying them from and who did Mm -hmm. the restoration. Because in this particular case... Gullwing restoration is extremely complicated. It's an extremely difficult thing. There's only a few guys out there that are qualified to do it right, and they're becoming fewer of them every day. What's more expensive, a Wilhoit Speedster Resto or a Gullwing Resto? Do you know what? In are all they honesty, they're about they're about the same for body and paint. The engine. The engine work is more expensive on the Gullwing. The Gullwing is diabolically complicated compared to a 356. But otherwise, a Will Hoyt restoration <laughs> is such an expensive thing. A Gullwing restoration is probably going to be 30% more. Really? Yeah. Wow. You're looking at another 100 grand. I wonder where... I remember when I restored my Speedster twice, by the way. It really was not expensive back in the day. I no. don't know what suddenly went bonkers with it, but I took mine down to the bare metal. We fixed everything with a crash. We painted it. The parts weren't expensive. We put the whole... I swear to you, Zuckerman, I don't think I paid I don't, more than 50 grand to get that whole right. thing done. And, and I'm talking interior, the whole deal. And the and the other 200 grand it costs today, 100 grand That's is labor. because 100 grand is because things are much more expensive and the other 100 grand is because the market will bear it for right, the right, right person. 
But they're not complicated cars, no, the, no, the, the no. 356s, to restore. They're, they're really not. No, it's basic. It's something, a basic something folks, doesn't make sense. I'm telling you, it's what the market will bear. You understand what I mean by that? Yeah, a guy I like do. Will Hoyt, bless his soul, can charge a premium for being Will Hoyt. When it comes to... But there's another way of saying that. He's overcharging. He, <laughs> he is his a thief. His rates are too high. He is a thief. He's a, he's he's a thief. A thief. <laughs> That's your opinion. My opinion is he's a thief. That's now, I'm saying this with this. He's our thief. He is our thief. <laughs> Try getting in and letting him steal from you. Good luck, everybody. You've got to be on the list to have <clears throat> the privilege of letting Will Hoyt abuse you. The truth you. is we've been banged up by other people before. Way and worse. You can only have the best at what they do. <clears throat> with the uh, GT2 RS, Zuckerman. All right. I put together a formula because we're, you know, we've sold this car now for less than the stickers, right? So we're down in this car. A little All right. Bit. Yep. So here's my formula. Are you ready? Yes. Uh, because originally you were saying Mo will just get his initial investment back and will, and that's not right. What we have to do is uh, sales price versus what was paid, and that's your depreciation, right? Yes. So, so the sticker on this car out the door with tax to the number uh, that we've sold this car for, that depreciation should be carved up between the three of us. Okay. I right? don't disagree. That makes sense. And then, that's that's fair. And then we carve up the money. I'm overly generous. How are you, sir? No, you just make it easy. This is how Plan Z Vince works. Aguirre is here, right? This is how the Plan Z is the simplest uh, thing. But you have to have people who are chill and relaxed about stuff. Yes. Were, were there any pockets. issues when you sold the Gullwing with your partner, or no. it just had to no. go? Well, okay. My Did you have to tell him the number? I told my partner the number, and the first thing he says is, uh, that, seems, that seems kind of low. I said, are you, are you basing that it's not. on knowledge of the market or just on your own personal greed? And he said, he said, I guess it's my own personal greed. I just want more money. And then I explained that when you own cars, there's your imaginary valuation, and then there's the real number. And the real number is always lower than the imaginary number in your mind, and you just yes. have to—you just have to get real. I know the number you got, and in this market, it's well done. It's a well—it's a big great number. Number. It's a big and, number. You know, when you were talking about selling that car, I almost took a shot at it with my uh, with my friend Serio on the East Coast, and the numbers he was talking were nowhere near this number. Mm-hmm. He was like, uh, you know what? I don't think uh, Mr. Zuckerman's in reality. And look at you. I think you are in reality. <laughs> well, again, Sirio is looking at it from the point of view of he's in that business. So yes. he's a soldier. I'm a civilian. I have a different point of view. He has an idea of what he would buy a car for and get rid of it for quickly. Correct. And and uh, as I said, the going market has a slight drag on it because of all of the bad cars out there, and you have to spend the time differentiating your car from the mass of bad cars out That's there, true. Or, or mediocre cars. That's true of cars. all cars, by yes. the way, and all production cars. It's amazing that cars are still selling, isn't it? It is amazing, particularly right now with the election in just a couple of weeks. Yeah. This is not you a think time they're tied? Yeah, of course. Because Why? Generally, what does the election have to do with buying cars? If, if right people now? are going to spend seven figures on a car, they might they might think, well, let's just see what happens in the next couple of weeks. It's just it's just a subjective thing that people go through. Do they you know, feel like spending money or do they feel <clears throat> like holding money? But and usually, this is a moment in time people feel like holding money. Except cars are suddenly selling, and you know, Sirio uh, said he he said uh, there's a funny dividing line at seven hundred thousand. This is a funny thing that uh, I'd never heard before, but I, he's dealing with billionaires. And he said, when you ask someone to pay more than 700 they start to get nervous. <laughs> but under 700 they're not so nervous. That's so funny. He's always trying to price things just under that line if it's a car that's in that, that neighborhood. That says more about his particular clientele. Yeah, it sure does. But, but, but everybody, everybody who's selling something has a clientele with a comfort zone. <laughs> and what he's saying right now is what I'm saying, which is people have a certain sense of discomfort yes. out there. 
And but I've never heard the discomfort number be seven hundred. Well, that again, that's him and his clientele. But that's I was. We were in the over seven hundred category. Yes. Obviously, mine is seventy dollars. When things get over seventy, I get a little nervous. And it's. And I'm going to tell you if I, if someone came to me and said to me, my comfort number for a car right now is about thirty grand. If yeah. somebody said I got something really cool for thirty grand, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. And that's and, true. And I'll do it. I'll do that five times maybe. But I'm not going to go. But if you said to me, spend. 300 grand on a car I'd say mm, let me think about that for a minute you know there's a uh, there's a story of a guy oh oh that guy almost uh, didn't think he did yeah it looked like he, buffoon, he opened his Lamborghini a Lamborghini it's the guy who came with a Lamborghini guy open. yeah he hit it into a nice old 911 into the yeah, mirror and look at him and now he's, he's, he's kind like, of oh, looking that, he's kind of lost yeah, he's he looks saying that didn't over. happen he's like I saw hungover. that Hung over. He looks like an English lad in his, in his shorts, too tight, shorts, too tight, small shirt, button-down shirt. Like, I mean, just going off. Yeah, because I don't like it's that It's a nice Lamborghini. Look at the color I don't like of the Lamborghini, though. It's he was quite nice. when he opened up his door. Anyways, we have another new sponsor, Zuckerman. You're going to like this one. Ooh, ooh, Listen ooh. in. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Keeps. <laughs> As guys, so much of our identity is wrapped up in our hair. Like you, Zuckerman, from how it feels and getting a fresh cut to the way it's perfectly styled before going out. That's why we get into our 20s and 30s and start noticing the first signs of hair loss. It definitely feels like panic time. Zuckerman's panicked right now. It's all gone. Decades past. This year, decades late with his hair. Because let's face it, no guy is ever ready to go bald. Thankfully, now there's keeps. The simple and easy way to keep your hair. Did you know two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness? How, what age were you when your hair disappeared, Zuckerman? I was in my late 30s when I started to notice a bald Did you panic? spot. I don't think I liked it, but then, <laughs> and I think there was, yes, there was a few years where I was thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do? And right. then I shaved it all off and it was the best decision of my life. So maybe you want to cut that we're out. Gonna, of- we're going we're gonna to uh, experiment on you now. I'm going to get you some keeps. Because um, Keeps treatments only takes four to six months to see results. So we have the perfect head to try this on you. <laughs> so it's important that you folks, if you're listening, act fast. The sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you keeps. Find out why Keeps has more uh, five-star reviews than any of its competitors. More than 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. Keeps treatments start at just 10 bucks a month. Plus, for a limited time only, you get your first treatment Free. So if you want to sign up for Keeps, you go to keeps.com slash spike911. Keeps.com slash spike911. My name, my favorite car. Host must spell out website. Okay. K-E-E-P-S, just in case you didn't know, dot com. Um, wow, and they have before and after shots there, Zuckerman? That's kind of cool. Let me see this. I would love to have a, like a complete Jufro. Uh, you, I put <clears throat> some stuff on my head and then sproing within two days. Why don't we create a product called Jufro? <laughs> <laughs> Keeps Jufro. Get away from me, people, without your masks. Oh, my God. It's quite a crew. Well, this is, yeah, now it's getting a little late. Uh, the Lamborghini folks have just showed up. And you're right. None of them are wearing masks. <laughs> well, why don't we just... Uh, why don't we bring uh, Matt Haranik on then? Bring so him we can, on. We can, we can bail. He, uh, I spoke to him yesterday, Zuckerman. The new book is fantastic. I don't know if you guys know A Man and His Watch. It was amazing. Now there's a man in his car. You can see the book on Amazon. You can order it right now. It's one of those car guy, watch guy, no-brainer holiday gifts. Um, folks like Jay Leno are in it this time. Really? Yeah. Uh, Bruce Meyer, who's here today. You know, with Leno, I was like, you know, what car did Jay pick? But he talks about the stories that come along with the cars. Yes. And it's not necessarily your favorite car. It's the it's the story about the car that gives us these attachments to these vehicles. What I really like talking about Matt about is that it wasn't just big name celebrity collectors. It was these guys in Brooklyn who have taxi cabs, old taxi cabs oh, and get together. Check, so, checker marathons. You know, love the it. love for your vehicle is the same. Doesn't yes. matter. Even if it's a Prius. Well, let's not get carried away. Anyway, here's my interview with Matt Haranik. Matt. Spike. We bought... 
we bounced around to a lot of different formats, but the uh, your commitment to getting a good recording, thank you for being patient. We switched from Zoom. Now we're on Zencaster. How are you, my friend? I'm very good. Uh, good to see you briefly. Yeah, we saw each other on Zoom, everybody, a second ago, and then we said, well, you know what? It keeps turning into robot man sound. When it goes, I just said I can't. I don't want to do that to the listeners. So thank you for being patient. Um, you're joining us from New York. Yep, I'm in New York. I'm in Park Slope, Brooklyn, uh, and um, happy that you're not seeing the state of my office right now, which is great. <laughs> Are you out doing a book tour? This is very exciting, by the way. A man in his car. I think you've been talking about this for a couple of years at least, right? It's been in the mix, yeah, just probably stem to stern two years to get it done, you know, traveling around the world and grabbing these and collecting these car stories. How does a book like this start? Does it, uh, do you go in, do you pitch it to the publisher? Does the publisher already go, look, your first book was so successful, A Man in His Watch, whatever you want to do, A Man in His Pants, you know, A Man and His yeah. Dog, or yeah, how does it work? Well, you know, surprisingly, the, the the watch book was was pretty successful in terms of its uh its um you know its outreach and people really liking it and that was very, the publisher was really happy and they were like what's next and <laughs> you know like and I, at one point I think they said like what about a man and his bike and I was like what about a man a man in his bicycle pants. That's what Zuckerman. Yeah, those horrible pants that show their nuts. <laughs> what about that? Well, I mean, if you think of, like I know my my, it's a very kind of earthy, crunchy publisher artisan. You know, they do a lot of cookbooks and stuff, and I'm sure there's a lot of biking around. Uh, yeah, but, but for me, without hesitation, it was a man in his car um, because of the similar relationships. Also selfishly both of those books started with kind of my own story in relationship to both of those things and i just knew there were good stories out there i mean i knew i was going to miss 10,000 of them um, mm -hmm. but i but i was very confident that i knew like this book i photographed i kind of dug into my my former photo career and did that and um i just felt very confident that this book could reveal itself easily so wait, so with the watches, you had someone photograph the watches. But here, I remember you coming down to my hangar and shooting the Speedster. Yeah. So you did that for everyone. I did that for everyone. I traveled around with that godforsaken, uh, luckily I didn't have to do it with you, but this 30 by 40 giant black backdrop. And uh, I traveled around the world with it. And to be honest with you, I'm ready to burn it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool, though. Not, I mean, because you, it, it must have helped writing about this stuff and going through the interviews knowing that you know you were shooting it and understanding that cars in a different way yeah i mean it was a beast of a project uh kind of choreographing all that because it's much different than watch right where somebody can right. confedex to the studio and my buddy steve lewis shot that and you know i had to figure out how was i going to shoot these giant machines on location with not a lot of time so I kind of streamlined the process. It worked out surprisingly well, even when like a 35 mile an hour wind kicks up on a concourse and you have a $4 million car on the thing, on the backdrop. Uh, there were some stressful times, but in, in, in general, it, it, it was a really, it ended up being a great process. How do you, uh, how do you pick the people? I'm sure after a man and his watch and a man in his car gets announced, he, people were just going, Hey, Hey, what about me? Can well, I be in your book? <laughs> how did you select that, that group of people? Well, and by the way, thank you for including me and Zuckerman. It was very nice of you. Um, well, you but guys, I didn't even—I didn't feel like I was even worthy to be in this book. Well, you guys were highlights. I mean, I'm a Porsche fanatic, so I mean, a lot of this book comes from a very selfish point of view. And I and I had to pick a lane because, like I said, I knew I was going to miss a, a you know, ten thousand stories. So I was mm -hmm. kind of choosing people and and people that had specific cars that kind of, you know, really appealed to me. You know, uh, that that I felt like. I would, I would, and you know, and these are kind of priceless Delahays to like Fiat Pandas. And I wanted to have the same kind of point of view like I had in the watch book that it was about emotional connection. Uh, it was about how these 
in this case, men feel about these machines more than just their their monetary value. It was the intrinsic emotional value. So who did you go to? Uh, you know, uh, if it, it, start with the other guys, like cab drivers in New York. Yeah. I haven't seen the book yet. But. Yeah, there, there is this amazing group of checker cab. There's a checker cab, cab club here in Brooklyn. And one, one rainy afternoon, I showed up at one of their meetings and it was just absolutely phenomenal, these cars. You know, and uh, being a lover of New York, the checker was such an important vehicle for me to have in the book. And, you know, these guys are just obsessed and of, about all the minutiae of the car, just like any, you know, Villa Desta Concours, you know, participant. And, um, and, and they just had great stories. And that was the key. Wow. And, and did they, you know, did they, were they going into the back seat going, here's where the semen is from <laughs> <laughs> on late night, three in the morning drive. I, um, I have a feeling that based on the age of these guys, they haven't seen that semen in a while. But I hear what you're saying. It's like the love affair of a car has nothing to do with money. It has to do with how it transports you and, and, you know, just being in it. And I, you know, I, I feel that because I've, felt that love for vehicles since my first stupid car since my since getting on a riding lawnmower i i love these things with wheels and it's never about money it's about you know the drive and the experience um you have some people in there though um who have giant collections which i can't even imagine it must have taken them a, a year to decide which car jay leno for Leno. instance, yeah. is in the book. How did he decide what car to profile? Well, you know, uh, Jay, Jay was very generous with me, like invites me up to the garage and is just like, yeah, have a look around, you know, like, you know. Hey, come on in. How you doing, man? You want to be on a drive on a steam car? You know? Hey, how about we get in the steam engine? <laughs> no. So, you want me to press your pants with the steam? How would that go? <laughs> Let's do the steam car. <laughs> He, I mean, he, he, he is legit, right? Like he's, legit. he's so good. Did he? Sh he walks around and you point at things and everything starts in that museum of yeah. his. It's it's very impressive. Well, well, and then I, he'll give you a history lesson on it. There was a couple things I learned about him. Is like he doesn't get rid of anything. That's why he has all those cars. Like he's just right. I never sell anything, and I kind of like that. And uh, if you have the resource in the space, but I said mm -hmm. to him, like out of all these cars, like what's the one that kind of speaks to you? Which one do you have this like longest connection with? And that was the Roadmaster, the car that he bought when he got off the plane the first time in LA for 500 bucks out of the penny saver. And, you know, it was a very touching emotional story about this journey in this car and what it means to him. And I really connected that to my, myself and I do think it's a, a, a beautiful specimen of, of that car. I mean, he's meticulously restored that car and juiced it up a bit now. But it was like the first car that he kissed his wife in and the first in the car that he drove to the last, you know, um, Tonight Show. And I, oh, I think boy. that was the stuff that really um, resonated with me. It's a gorgeous car. It's this black and silver deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. looking at it right now with a big looks like it's got ships portals on the side. What yeah. a beautiful car. And it's so fun. this is I, the car he, he first dated his wife in. Yeah, he tells a story about how he like tried to recreate the first kiss like years later in the back some parking lot in LA or something and how embarrassing it was and like he's like, Yeah, you know, you're too old for that stuff. But remember when I put you in the back seat and said, Let's kiss. <laughs> Let's recreate it. And he, you know, <laughs> you know, I'll be honest with you, I don't gravitate to that style of cars so much. You know, I'm more of like I'm more, mm -hmm. I'm, I, I like European cars mostly, but like that story really made me look at that car differently. The car is gorgeous. I don't normally like these cars, but it is, it is a beautiful car. Wow. Beautiful. Um, okay. Now, uh, Bruce Meyer, yes. who's got a smaller collection, but still a collection of the most desirable thingies with wheels and four wheels and two wheels of anybody that I know. Um, yes. That would be hard for me. I would guess... My favorite car, the 61 250 short wheelbase, but most likely I'm wrong. What, well, what did he choose? So, first of all, I like, I, you know, Bruce is one of the most generous, nicest guys I've ever mm -hmm. met. You know, he's been, was so incredibly helpful with the book. He lets me into the inner sanctum of where these cars are. And there mm -hmm. it's a 1962 Cobra, like number, uh, number one. 
Black, uh, black, black. I'm a huge Shelby fan. So like that was important to me. And he like, of course, very modestly was like, you know, that car, you know, that would be good. And I'm like, okay, for sure that one. And then, you know, we kind of walk around. There's a lot of history in that space. But there was something about the 65 um, Bizarini, you know, this one-off, not quite Ferrari, but, you know, built from the same kind of coach work. And um, I just thought it was an absolutely magically beautiful object. And I couldn't walk away without shooting that one, too. So both of those books, both of those cars are in the book. So he gets two cars. So it's a man in his cars. Is he the only one in the book that has uh, two cars? No, profile? there's a couple. There's a couple people with two cars, and then there's this couple archive sections. So I'm feeling less than all of a sudden that I only had one car profiled. You, I think you only allowed me one. No, I think. Um, <laughs> no, didn't I show you? Because at the time, I think I had Zuckerman sixty six nine eleven in my hangar. Well, we, we shot, were, was that, that's the, that's the Navy blue one. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. shot that one. That one's in. Yes, I know. I'm aware so, that car. So I had just taken that car out and done a sorting list for it. It was something that he had in his hangar that he loved, but he wasn't driving it. And, and I said, give it to me. Let me take it out for a few days. And, uh, it, it's one of those funny car situations where you get something that's, so perfectly preserved and original that you have trouble fixing what's wrong with it. Right. And I immediately, you know, I drove it out to Bill's a few times and I go, look, here's what you have to do. I don't care about those original rubber seals and this and that they're making noise and this is going to, so that work uh, was completed shortly after you shot that. And now it is his favorite car. (laughs) He loves this thing. The lines on that car. Listen, I incredible I've had posters of 911s on my wall mm-hmm. in a, since you know, you know, junior high school. That was the, my love affair was that car, and that you know, those cars. When I see those, like my eyes dilate and my heart races, and that is one of the examples of that. Like, and I look, I'm looking at the picture right now. The lines on that car, and and not on line, not on like the lines on your speedster. There's something about that car that could almost be incredibly ugly but it's so elegant and beautiful in my opinion. And, yeah. and um, that, you know, that was this, again, that was the sort of aesthetic lane I was kind of choosing because I was selfishly was kind of wanted to be around objects like that. Right. So you're letting your kind of love for certain cars kind of guide the creative creative in the book, right? It, yeah. This is the stuff that I would want to see when I open the cover. Well, the thing is like perfect example is that like I was allowed into the Peterson archive the Peterson right. museum in LA. And what the hell do you do there? Like my head spun. I was just like, and they were like, you could shoot whatever you want. You've got X amount of time with our guys here that will pull anything you want. Mm-hmm. And my head just spun. And then I was like caught up in this kind of LA Hollywood moment. And I was like, let's shoot all the m- movie cars that I've ever like been obsessed with that are here right now. Like let's, let's definitely shoot the, the, the Jaguar, the, the Steve McQueen Jaguar. But let's also shoot the Magnum PI 308. You know, like for me, that was and and Elvis's Pantera. And, you know, like that that to me was so evocative to what made me fall in love with cars that that was the lane I picked when I was there because it's overwhelming. Wow. Those were, by the way, those were the two cars I would have picked right there. (laughs) You were so in tune with what I want to see on these pages. Right away, it would have been XKSS and it would have been, you know, the uh, the old 308. I love that car. I've I've seen it. I've sat in it. So they let you down into the vault. Yeah, I was in the vault and it was pretty, pretty magical to be down there. But again you know, incredible responsibility on how to choose this stuff. And and I actually leaned into the guy that was helping me move the cars. And at one point I was like, Hey dude, I don't know where we're going with this. Like, what's your favorite car? And he's like, Oh, the 1932 Ford Ray Brown Roadster. And I was right. like, Oh my God, I don't even, I don't even know that car. And then you see it and you're like, okay, now I know why that's your favorite car. This kind of started it all for, you know, so many hot rodders. And I was like, okay, we got to shoot that car. 
You know, the genius move by Peterson is uh, calling it the vault because it's not a vault. (laughs) It's just the parking garage beneath the museum. But they went, let's call that the vault and give it a vault. We all love saying the vault. Yeah. And then you get down there and go, this is just a parking garage with other cars and some more stuff. And other crap, too. (laughs) Lots of good stuff. Yeah. And it's kind of laid out willy nilly, and that's what makes it fun to kind of wander through it. I always thought. You know, when I saw Jay's place for the first time, I always thought that's like the vault. It's it's museum-esque in its size and scale and information on the walls and even little guides to the, the, the tour. But it's also workshoppy and vaultish and not so put together. It's have like you, the Peterson uh, North Hollywood. The, you know what, I, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Well, have you ever seen Jeff Dunham's collection? No. Okay. No, but I've seen them out together. I, I, I'm pretty sure I saw Jay and Dunham in an amphibious car. Yeah. Would I be yeah. wrong? Yeah. Okay. I, somebody said, oh, you need to go see Jeff Dunham's collection. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, what does he have that's cool? And he's like, well, his original car that he got when he was like in high school doing commercials with his ventriloquist dummies for a local car. And he still owns the Nissan that he got in trade. And I was like, okay, I like that story and da, da, da. I had no idea what I was expecting to expect in there from like Barris art, you know, Barris, like crazy George Barris, like surf cars and the hard hat. I think he drove that one with Leno too. And he just has like, it it looks like the Hanna-Barbera car collection, you know? And and, and there's something kind of magical about it because it's so evocative. What I, that what I learned to be so much of his personality and um I, he, does I, he have the original batmobile he has one of them yeah Where, you know the adam west batmobile wow. yeah yeah and then he has this remember the those bradley gt kit cars i'm looking at it right now yeah brown metallic yeah and he tells this great story about you know when he was a kid he was a real tinkerer he was very handy like was really good at building stuff and crafting things. He mm-hmm. did helicopters and stuff, right? So he wanted. He wrote to Bradley back then and said, "Like, if you, I will promote this car for you if you would please give me one." You know, basically. And they, of course, ignored him. But as he got older, like, <laughs> he, you know, you want to kind of capture the the memory of your youth. And and then he just started buying these Bradley GTs, which are basically like fiberglass with a VW engine in them. You know, they're not great pieces of engineering. But then again, like his story about it was just captivating, you know? Yeah, no, I remember seeing these cars in the back of uh, comic books and going, wow, this is something I could get and put together myself and maybe afford on my lawn mowing budget yeah 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 <laughs> did, he drive, did, did you happen to drive that thing did you happen uh no i was i did not drive in that thing it's not the easiest card to kind of deal with but i do remember not unlike i mean i remember seeing these things on the road when i was a kid and just being like what the hell is that you know <laughs> you know in the late 70s and um i, I was just when he started talking about the car I just was like, I was laser focused on that's the one we opened with. And then, of course, you can't ignore the kind of Barris, Barris cars. So Jeff's got a couple because of that nuttiness in that collection. But he's also got, I'm going through his cars here. He's got the 1992 Batmobile. Yeah. Which uh, which was designed by one of our uh, show friends, Fireball. <laughs> <laughs> Old Fireball oh. says he designed this. Uh, it, and wow, look at this blue gremlin. He's got this beautiful 73 MC gremlin. He, Boy, oh, that is a really cool car. It's like uh And he has all these, um, he's got these great, uh, you know, 70s, like Chevy vans and Dodge vans. Mm-hmm. They're all like carpeted out and built out like, you know, sailing ships. And like, you know, like sweet, a lot of sweet love was made in the background bed in those things and and he just like focuses on these really oddball kind of iconic cultural vehicles at least for him growing up in a very specific way and then he just is like ah, i'm gonna buy it and i kind of i really appreciate that actually well uh, did you do you put one of your cars in there i have i have <laughs> the, i have the car that started it all for me which was the car that i had the poster of in which is a. Uh, um, 
9-11 Carrera. Like that was my, that was uh. my dream car. And uh, I have an 87 uh, Targa and um, in chocolate brown tan interior. And that is a really fantastic story because that was my wife's ex-boyfriend's car that she made him buy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. from him directly no she yeah so she made him buy this car because she okay she thought that he was not representing as this kind of club owner in san francisco and <laughs> so she was driving around in some like piece of crap golf or something and she said we're going to we're going to the auto auction and you're going to buy a decent car yolanda really loves cars and this 911 rolls up and she's like that's the car and he's like, oh, okay, I'll buy the car. And he buys the car because the girl says to buy the car. And mm-hmm. then fast forward, we borrow that car and elope in Palm Springs. I smash the door on a brick wall coming out of some restaurant. But hold on. You got to stop the story. There. Okay. You, she has left this dude. Yes. How do you borrow an ex-boyfriend's car? How does that work? Okay, what was that conversation? Yolanda is very demographic. So, like, I mean, very democratic. You know, she oh, she she likes Ira. Ira's a good guy. She, she maintained a friendship over the years. And when mm-hmm. we were, went to San Francisco to kind of tra- you know track you know trace her steps through San Francisco, she said, you know, let's go say hi to Ira and. You know, he's a nice guy and we had dinner with him. He was a perfectly nice guy and there was no, you know, no issue. And and there's this car sitting there in the driveway. And Yolanda says, you know, we're thinking about driving down to Palm Springs. And he's like, well, why don't you take the Porsche? And I was like, he didn't just say we could take the Porsche, right? And she's like, yeah, we could just take it. Let's go. And then uh, we eloped in it. And that, and then, yeah. <laughs> How long after the breakup is this? This is probably, this is a few years. Because I could not be as comfortable when when my girlfriend says, let's go have dinner with my, I'd go, what are you talking about? I, I don't want to go near that guy, nor does he want anything to do with me. Well, you know, did, like there, there. Are, was this 50 years later? Uh, no, it wasn't. It was maybe, I don't know, five or six years later, but like. Okay. That's a long time. Yeah, yeah, that's a long time. So it's, it's water under the bridge. And it's not like, I mean, he wasn't, you know, Bradley Cooper. There wasn't a lot of. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, Enough said. Yeah. Thank you. But still, to then take the car and potentially entangle yourself with the ex. Yeah. Another interesting uh, etiquette uh, puzzle. But you do it. You we, say, let's do it. We do it. We get, we elope in the car. And then the unfortunate thing is I got to give the car back. So I give the car back and then. But damaged. You said, uh, here it is, but sorry, I smashed your door. I, I did fix the door with this amazing mechanic uh, in Palm Springs. Because, you know, there's all those like, little. There are so many great mechanics in Palm Springs. <laughs> Look, I am like, certain you found the best paint mechanic guy in Palm Springs, La Quinta, or Joshua Tree. Exactly. And the best Come on. The best thing was it, it, it. I had crunched just the seam of the door a bit, right? And I was like, oh, if I could just find a body shop to hammer that out, I'll be good. And then, so, <laughs> um, so, yes. so I find a body shop, and it's like this one guy in there, and he takes out a little brass hammer, and he gently reshapes it, and in a Dixie cup matches the paint and wow. then looks at me and I said, all right, dude, that's kind of amazing. Like how much I owe you for that? And he said, <laughs> he said 50 bucks and I oh, handed him a hundred bucks and he looked at me and he said, only in America, my friend. And I drove yes. away with that car and so I would never a tiny, that. this, this elf, this Porsche elf had a tiny golden hammer and a Dixie cup full of paint. <laughs> yeah. It just happened to me. I I don't know. I, I'm skeptical that this was a perfect fix. Well, I'll be honest with you. Ira was never never had the attention to detail. So yes, he I did not. Me. But I own that car. So basically, I in a kind of horse trade, I got the car. It was it needed some TLC for sure, including that. So wait, he said he takes the car back. He says no problem, and eventually you call him and you say, "I I love driving it. I want it." Basically, we buy, we help him. I help him buy a new Audi or something, right? And okay. this car is kind of decaying in a garage in San Francisco. We get involved in this kind of makeshift business deal where I'm going to help him 
find, I'm going to find architects and interior designers for him to re- redo his house because I was connected in the world at the time. And he said, okay, what do you want for all this work? And I said, I want the car. And he's like, you want the piece of crap Porsche that's decaying in the garage? And I was like, yeah, that's what I want. And then we're even. And that's what we did. And wow. I was that's looking, a good deal. Yeah. I like that. And um, I was working in San Francisco at the time. So I was, you know, going back and forth to San Francisco. And there's a lot of actually very good mechanics and vintage car guys in San Francisco. And uh, I found this terrific mechanic who slowly brought the car back up to speed and it really didn't need a lot. It just needed, you know, a little TLC. And then, um, and then I eventually shipped it back to New York and this is where it is now up at the farm. These are the stories that you're going to find in a man and his car. That is a great story. I love the origin story of cars, but that one is really great. (laughs) Really funny. It starts with your wife and the boyfriend, then it comes back. She now you have the car again. That's really her car. She's gonna end up killing you and taking that car. That's the next beat of that car story. Don't worry, she reminds me that it's her car constantly. <laughs> She's done a great job. Well, the new book is called A Man and His Car. We can buy it wherever we buy books. That's right. It's everywhere. Do you have any preferred place that we buy it from? Well, is I, there a? Uh, do like you have your? When, own? I like when people go to their local bookstore. Uh, number one, and then of course, if you're stranded in the no, middle of nowhere, you can go on Amazon in Barnes and Noble. <clears throat> Terrific! So I'm going to go down to the Brentwood Country Mart to our Diesel Diesel Books, and if they don't have it, I'm going to make sure they order a bunch because uh, me and my neighbors we want it. I want to see a me. I want it's only the cars though, right? It's not people. It's just, just the cars and the interviews. Just the cars and uh, I got I don't worry Spike, I got a signed one coming your way for sure, but if you can't wait, go buy one. I'm gifting. I'm gifting. All right. This book, you know, your last book was gifted to me before you and I had met and it was such a thoughtful, nice gift. <clears throat> so I'm now going to do the same thing now that we're headed into the holiday season. I've got your book I've got uh, Zuckerman's Outlaw Archive books, and I've got Seinfeld's book, all going out as uh, gifts to everyone. If you guys want to check out Matt's uh, great life, he's uh, constantly, I, I, when I reached out to you, he's like, well, I'm on the way to Italy. I'm on the way to Spain. You're out there traveling. Your, your Instagram is amazing. You are always out there. You seem to be cooking meats and holding them up on a on a platter over your shoulder right. and toasting with a drink. And you and I both enjoy a cigar whenever you're in town. Uh, he's a gentleman who can teach you how to live. Matt Haranik, what's your Instagram before we go? At WM Brown Project. Right. The magazine. The magazine. WM Brown Project. That's right. Well, uh, make sure you uh, let me know when you're going to be in town here. You're not having any trouble flying around the world now with this COVID-19? Well, I travel with a stack of documents. Um, but <laughs> You're not to- fearful. You're not fearful. I have, I'm cautious, shall I say. What does the rest of the world feel like right now since most of us have not left the United States? Are we considered lepers? Well, I will say one thing. Parisians have never been happier to see an American, and I thought I would never hear that. <laughs> Why? Because there's absolutely no tourism. There's nobody nobody is Ah. nobody's there i mean i walked into the louvre uh absolutely pretty much empty and was walking (laughs) around the vermeer like the dutch painters with like no one even near me it was like and rome was pretty much the same i mean i was lucky enough to get over there invited to and I, i had a business invitation i had some work to do there but you know the protocols to get over were tedious but i have to say it it was incredible to be there and i think People were so appreciative to see travelers um, taking the risk to, I don't know, buy, yeah. buy a coffee in Rome. You're listening to Matt Horanek, the new book, A Man in His Car. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for chatting with us. Thanks, Mike. Always a pleasure. Appreciate it. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Talk to you. Bye. Pretty good interview, huh? It was fantastic. You didn't hear it? We're still sitting here. <laughs> You're a liar, Zuckerman. You're a liar and a thief. I am a liar. What does the rest of your Sunday look like? Um, I'm going to go up to the Point Doom Club where the trailer is. <laughs> I'm going to go do... I'm going to take the Sunday New York Times, Ferriston. Ah. I'm going to read it from cover to cover. And unlike you... I do the Sunday crossword puzzle. Yes. I can actually do it, unlike you. 
and I like to I'm keep not my brain. That. I like to keep my brain v- sharp, and I believe that that is a, a way to keep your brain sharp. All right, you do that. <clears throat> I'm gonna go home, and uh, I'll end up eating some donuts. I will end up swimming in the pool. I will uh, be looking at Twitter uh, obsessively. Mm. Mm. And I will leave, live idea. at least 10 years longer than you. I, I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> and good luck. And you'll be sorry. You think your you, crossword is going to save you? Okay, Ferrison. Okay, when you're going to die doing your crossword, and your pen is going to impale your... Uh, you're going to be impaled on the pen in your eye. Ferrison, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a problem dying before you. You'll be the one alone. You'll be the one who has that lonely last 10 years <laughs> so trying to talk to people that don't want to listen to you. You're going to be like Wally Weiss coming up to people <clears throat> here, trying to talk to people, engage with them, and they're going to be repelled by you. You'll Did be you see old. John, Mc- John McCain's mom died? At 108. You know why that spooked me, Zuckerman? Because don't you take solace and your mom is still alive, right? My yes. mom is still alive. They're getting on in years. But don't you take solace and, well, I've at least got that many years, right? I like, okay. She was incredibly healthy, I think, in her 90s. Yeah. And Did you, did you read the part but of the story? don't you think John McCain probably took solace in the fact that his mom was one of those long hauler, going to be, going to live for a long time, and I will too. And now... This kind of throws my theory, my personal theory off, that if you've got these relatives living, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to live Fair a long shit. time. <laughs> How old was your dad when he passed? Fats? Yeah. 76. My but dad, he, my he never dad, worked out once in RV? his life. 60, he made it to the ripe old age of 67, Ferris. 67? <laughs> yes. 67. He, he tapped out at 67. Was he a drinker and a smoker? He smoked pack upon pack of cigarettes a day, and he existed on nicotine and raw anger. Uh, yeah, uh, this, yeah, Harvey and Fats would have been great friends, Zuckerman. They would have been great friends. That they, they were doing the same thing. Did did Harvey like roast beef sandwiches? Did he like to gamble? Harvey he, <laughs> Harvey liked to drink at night alone. Did he work out? No, no never. Of a day not. in his life, everything wow. is back hurt him. The, he had not worked out since WW two. Fats and Harvey might be a show we have to do. <laughs> Why don't we do a whole episode of this show as Fats and Harvey? I'm down. Yes, it's amazing that we were able to escape Fats and Harvey. Well, the show's still happening here. It's nice. It's nice and quiet now. I like it. Okay, um, check out the Lincoln with no Chrysler Imperials. No Lincoln. That is a Lincoln, a beautiful Lincoln with suicide doors. Yeah. What a big car. <clears throat> we need a Lincoln Continental, a like Mark Three or a Mark Four to Plan Z. Absolutely. Um, and that's all the show we have for you guys. Um, next week we're going to have Robert Bollinger and the B1, which is right in front of us, but we're going to drive it. Um, and take pictures of it in Zuckerman's hangar. So uh, don't don't miss the show. It's going to be interesting. I'm excited about that. Anything else, Zuckerman? What do you got to pitch? That's it. Just if you've been you in an accident. Outlaw Archive? Well, I'll tell you what. Two things I'm going to pitch. One, if you or a loved one's been in an accident, Carpenter, Zuckerman, and Rowley, C-Z-R. Get in touch with us. Ask for me personally. I will talk to you. Also, the Outlaw Archive, which people know about. The Outlaw Archive, we have reprinted our book on the Coffin Cheaters, Halfway to Purdue, and Grubby Glen. Go to at Outlaw Archive, at Outlaw Archive, and see those books. You can purchase them, a package of three, and it's going to be the greatest Christmas Everybody's gift ever. Everybody's selling books. I'm the only guy without a book. Jerry's got a book. You've got books. Matteranic has a book. I'll, how about you sell old phone books? <laughs> I think there's a market for that. I like to sell shows. That's all I'm really into. Anyway, Sell my shows. It's been nice uh, hanging with you all here at the Malibu Kitchen Cars and Coffee. If you're in town, it's every Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. Go in and say hi to Bill at the Malibu Kitchen and spend some money, and he'll yell at you. We'll see you next week on Spike's Car Radio. Thanks for listening to Spike's Car Radio. Brought to you by Hangar 56. Listen to new episodes every Wednesday. And be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. 
and all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.